0: Hey guys, hey gals. My name's Evan. If you don't know me, please come up and meet me afterwards. It's kind of why we're here is to develop community. You know, next week up at the meadow behind the main campus, it's going to be such a good time. um, There's going to be a jumping castle with no weight limit. (laughs) That there should be enough, right? I'll distract all of the the people that are in charge of that, so that way we can all sneak in there and do whatever is fit. I'll also try to round up some inner tubes. Um, It's summertime in the Black Hills. Um, Sweet. Just, uh, if you wouldn't mind, take a moment with me um, to just kind of still our minds and just kind of direct our focus onto the one who created us. God, we we believe in you intensely, maybe not so much, but that's why we're here, because we believe that you are real and that we want to make you a priority even for the next half an hour. And so we ask that you would interact with our minds, our emotions, and that you would just kind of break through and give us what we need. We are here because... We know that you are real and that we want what you have for us. Amen. All right, so I want to start with a question tonight, a couple of them really. But what if you had someone that knew you really well and cared intensely for you, and that this person was also extremely wise and desired to help you best live your life? Would you seek their advice and follow their instructions? I'm guessing a lot of nods, right? Without a doubt. It's just common sense. The God that is given to us in the Bible created us, knows us intimately, loves us intensely, and desires to show us how to best live our life. You know, God's grace, his goodness poured out upon us, is the only thing that puts the breath into our lungs and brings life to our souls. He is the author of our life, physically and spiritually. You know, a form of God's grace is the law or the instructions that he has given to us. You know, if you look in Exodus, while Moses and the people are surrounding Mount Sinai, God himself gives those instructions. If you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus lives out the law. His entire life is in obedience to that law, and he even elevates it, saying, We need to fulfill the heart of the law. Once we place our trust in Jesus and what he did through this, his death and resurrection, we receive the Spirit who guides us on how to best live our lives based on his instructions, his law. You know, the instructions that he gives come straight from our Creator and our Savior. It says so in John 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, this is Jesus speaking, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the spirit and the way that he influences us, the way that he leads us, this comes directly from our creator and the one who can save us. These guidelines stem from perfection, from God and his complete understanding of what brings total goodness into your world. Take a moment to think about that. Our creator who made everything, who ordains every single moment you live, understands all things, stands outside of time, and he desires to speak into your life to give you truth, to give you instruction on how to best live your life. And it's only by following our maker's plans for how to live that we will live the most abundant life and bring the most of God's goodness to those around us. I can't think of another more logical solution. If you want to live the best possible life, who else can you consult besides the one who created you? The one who knows all things. You know, this, this summer, I guess the next two months or so, we're going to be kind of looking at various instructions that we see cover to cover in the Bible that apply to us of how to live our lives in the way that God has created us to live. Each week, we're just going to pick a different, topic to focus in on and just kind of see what God through the Bible says about that. You know, something that you're going to hear us say over and over, and it's really important that you know this, the way that we live does not change God's view on us. The way that we live, good, bad, however you choose, does not change God's view on you. But the way that we live changes our experience of this life. Does that make sense? Our choices, due to free will, lead us down two different roads. And there's no way to stay in the middle. However, if you're living out the abundant life, taking the most advantage of the goodness that you have, your giftedness, your talents, your your time and your money, or if you go the other route and you live a more destructive way, It's your choice. There's no going down the middle. But regardless of which road you choose, God's view on you does not change. His love for you does not lessen or increase because he loves you so intensely. And the state of your soul simply depends upon your faith, not your actions. But there's a lot of importance in examining our actions, right? And so we're going to spend some time Kind of honing in on that. And tonight we're going to look at the call we have to help the broken. You know, a central facet to God's interaction with humanity is his direct involvement with the broken. Time and time again, we see him step into people's lives in order to bring hope and redemption to those who have no hope and are locked in some form of slavery. From the beginning of time to our day to day, people have experienced this, where something abnormally large, miraculous, out of context of what is normal occurs and it releases them emotionally, physically, from what they've been locked to. Old Testament to new, we see God doing exactly that. Think about Exodus. You guys have seen the movies, you know the stories. A large group of people, 2 point whatever million Israelites, locked in slavery to a cruel master, cry out for help, and God miraculously pulls them out of slavery to lead them into a better life. The New Testament, think about Jesus' ministry. His entire ministry is focused on the broken, whether it be spiritually, socially down, the socially downtrodden those who have been oppressed by, whether it's the religious authorities or the Roman authorities and made to feel like they are worthless, to the physically broken, the financially destitute, he steps into their physical world in order to bring them hope. You know, Jesus summarizes his ministry by quoting Isaiah in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, it seems like God has a deep desire to reach into broken people's lives and to bring them restoration spiritually, emotionally, physically. We're talking bodies, but we're also talking um, giving them provision giving them jobs, giving them purpose. Our creator is very much interested in our souls. You can't get past that. But he is also interested in bringing redemption to our minds and to our physical lives. You know, as children of God, we are called to be representatives to his world, to our worlds, those that surround us. We have been made in God's image and are called to live out his character to those around us. A major way to do this is by caring for and helping those in need. This is not my opinion. Here's some verses that kind of show us what God's thinking. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. He's speaking to Israel who is just kind of abandoning their faith in him, but they're still practicing certain religious things like fasting and going to the temple. And they don't understand why God will not help them out, why God does not allow them to be blessed by His goodness. And He says, This is God speaking to him. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bounds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? So fast is this like really intense, very religious thing that we think that God really honors, but he says here himself that what he desires us to do far more than abstaining from food is to help the oppressed, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. You know, Jesus talks about this in a pretty intense way in Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink I was a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked and you gave me clothing I was sick and you took care of me I was in prison and you visited me This is a really intense passage. It shows we know that salvation comes only through faith. Right? Read the Bible in the big picture context, not just these simple verses. We know that salvation comes only through faith. However, this verse and so many others shows God's intense desire for us to help those in need. And that is His heart for His people and for us to live out for Him. Excuse me. whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or financially, or relationally, I promise you that there are broken people that you come into contact every single day. As followers of Jesus, sons and daughters of the Most High, we are called to reach out and bring His goodness into their brokenness. There are endless ways that we can do this. You know, there's formal ways, like going to organizations that do this on a regular basis. Uh, Seth Malat and I are going to be down at the Cornerstone Rescue Mission on Monday, if you guys want to help us do that, feeding people. There's international outreaches, and Amanda's going to be coming up here to talk about that a little bit, how we can get plugged into that. But there's also informal ways, so many informal ways. Let me give you some example. Helping someone you run into who is an obvious need. We do that, whether it's walking around here, whether it's at work, wherever that can be through food, money, job, somehow giving them just a little bit of God's goodness in that moment. Having your neighbor over to have dinner or a beer to show him that you desire to invest in his life or her life and find out what they're struggling with in a way that you can support them. Offering words of encouragement to a coworker. You have no idea how those small little phrases can help somebody who is battling discouragement or low self-worth. Using your talents to enrich someone's life. And as I look around this room, there's so many talents in here that are so varied, things that you are really good at. And there's an endless amount of ways that you can use those in small ways to help people understand that there is good in this world that comes from our Creator. This world is in, is full of people in need and being loved through encouragement, tangible support, positive relationships and spiritual guidance is so crucial. And as people who have the spirit of the living God within us, we are called to bring them this love. Jesus says it in John 13:35. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another notice that it's not fasting it's not going to church not reading your bible all those things are really good and called for but it's if you love one another you know i just want to give you two foundational truths to remember as we think about this The first, our actions do not change our Creator's love for us. I know I mentioned it, but it is so crucial to keep this in your mind. His love endures unchanging forever. Regardless of how few or how many of the broken we help and bring goodness into their lives, it does not change God's view of us. Therefore, we do not love the hurt and the broken to gain God's favor. Rather, Here's the second principle. We do so out of understanding that we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, entrusted to bring the message of reconciliation to the shattered world. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and on shares that. Out of this understanding, we begin to see that our time, our money and possessions, our talents and our relationships are not our own, but gifts Given to us by our Creator. Think about the notion of a gift. Gifts given for our enjoyment. Bottom dropped out. (laughs) All right, here we go again. I was just building so nicely to that <laughs> boy, too. <laughs> uh, I love being humbled. It's so great. All right, so the idea, let me just kind of put us back in that context. Our time, our money and possessions, our talents and our relationships are not our own, but they are gifts given to us by our Creator. Gifts given for our enjoyment. That is definitely true. But they are also given so that we can be used by God to bring his goodness into the lives of others. Take a moment to process that. Your time, your money, your possessions, your talents, all those things are for you. But I feel like even more so, they're for you to bring God's goodness into this world. We have been given so much. Think about the number of days and years you've been able to live. You've done nothing to earn that, deserve it. Think about the money that you have, whether it's big or small, you have plenty in the eyes of the world. Think about your talents, the way your mind works, and how good you are at certain things. These are not given to us as a reward from God due to our good behavior. They are gifts given out of his love for us and his desire for us to live well. To truly live well, we must understand the role that we have been given To bring God's love and goodness into broken people's lives. Our time, money, and talents are not our own. They are forms of God's abundant grace poured out upon us so that we can be a part of God bringing redemption to those around us. You know, with those two concepts in mind, I promise you, you will always have the opportunity and the means to help those in need. You know, Amanda, if you want to come on up. Amanda's been a part of this church about a year now. Um, In the last six months, she has kind of felt called and led to joining an organization called uh, Bethany. Um, And with that, she has a real intense desire to kind of show us what they are doing um, and allow us to become a tangible part of helping the broken. That's you. Use-